98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. And away we go with the top stories of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We present them to you every day at 4 o'clock, the midway point of the show. We're going to begin and end with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tonight, their series against San Diego continues. Righty Merrill Kelly gets the start for Arizona, while Joe Musgrove gets the start for San Diego. And because we're all curious with all these different outfielders, how they're going to mix and match tonight, Corbin Carroll is the designated hitter. Dalton Varsho is in right. Alec Thomas is in center. Jake McCarthy is in left. So no Stone Garrett tonight yeah, for the so Diamondbacks. You can play four out of the five every, uh, if you want to with the DH now. That gives Tori Lovello the ability to play some of those guys. Now, you'll match up lefty-righties. Obviously, if you're going up against a lefty, that's a day they'd like to get Stone Garrett in. Unfortunately for Stone Garrett, he's not getting an opportunity to face many righties. No, he's not. Because all those other guys are lefties. Yeah. So he's really only facing left-handed pitching. But his splits and oh, in those appearances, it's been extraordinary what he's been able to do. I like him. First pitch at 640 here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station and the Arizona Sports app. Pac-12 Player of the Week honors U of A quarterback Jaden DeLora wins the Offensive Player of the Week for his performance against San Diego State. He was terrific in that game against he the Aztecs. He was sensational. He looked great. That offense looked great. They blew out San Diego State. I mean, they were running away with it. San Diego State made a little bit of a comeback late. Then they had a big drive and they had a touchdown run on the ground to kind of put it away. But that connection with the UTEP transfer, the Jacob Cowing, that's going to be one of the best connections in the Pac-12 this year. ASU kicker Carter Brown won the award for special teams. Literally just now walking in after practice. <laughs> just found out about it right as he walked in for practice. Said it was great. I thought it was great. Uh, honestly, whatever I need to do to help the team and uh, just make kicks, I can't really control how many I kick. No, he was great. I mean, he was absolutely great in that, that opening win against NAU. Mm. Arizona, you, were, you know, you were gone for that time, but Arizona State, man, they pounded. They pounded the lumber jokes. They, they came out and they did what you expected them to do. They beat an inferior opponent and they beat them the way they should have. Yeah, and in uh, along those lines, in other ASU news, offensive lineman Joey Ramos going to miss the season with a high, high ankle injury. Uh, it was Herm Edwards had answered a question it. on Thursday and downplayed it and then acknowledged yesterday he misspoke when talking about the severity of the injury. So he's out the rest of the season. By the way, third player they've lost this season for injury yeah. with Matus and Anua both gone. The AP Top 25 is out today. ASU's week two opponent, Oklahoma State, moved up to number 11 in the country. Bama 1, Georgia 2. Did Oregon fall out of the top 100? <laughs> they fell out of the top 25. Come on, they should be what, 102nd? Yeah, Bama 1, Georgia 2, Ohio State 3, Michigan 4, Clemson 5. Uh, if somebody noted on Twitter, Jeremy Hawks, who I believe right is the Assistant Media Relations Director for the Sun Devils, tweeted out, with Oklahoma State ranked 11th in the AP poll, this will mark the fourth straight year that ASU's first road game of the season will take place at a ranked opponent. Just don't play an SEC opponent. Because the Pac-12 against the SEC, they're 1-8 in the last nine week one games against the SEC. 
It's been bad. Yes. It's the Pac-12 been is 1-8 and eight in its last nine Week 1 games again. Stop playing the SEC. Stop. From college to the pros, the Cardinals released their Week 1 depth chart. Notable names. Running back two will be shared by Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams, according to the depth chart. What? Pra- that's that's how they list it. Practice squad outside linebacker Devon Kennard is listed as the backup to Marcus Golden. And rookie corner Christian Matthew is behind Marco Wilson. So Wilson's listed as the starter. Matthew is the backup. But Christian Matthew is also ahead of Javelin Guidry, the guy they picked up on waivers yeah. last week from yeah. the Jets. Yeah. Let's see Let's see how that plays out for the rest of the week. Some Suns news. Uh, for a couple of old guys like me and Gambo, this doesn't mean anything. But I know for younger members of our audience, Devin Booker is going to be a 91 overall in the NBA 2K23. He's the cover athlete for the video game, but it means he's outside the top 10 ranked players. So either you guys play? Who plays? This guy does. You both play? I'm a big 2K guy. That's like my game. uh, So what what does it mean? He's a 91. Is that bad? Uh, It's good, but he's behind guys like Jimmy Butler or John Morant. And for the cover athlete, usually it's higher. Let's put it That's the unusual thing, right? For a cover athlete to not be be in the top 10 is unusual. Yeah. I mean, I don't play the game, and even I know that. So it would be like having the cover of the swimsuit model for SI is not in anybody's top 10. You know, I'm not that, really sure, that, but I'm going to say no. Are you comparing a magazine right? to a video game? <laughs> Cover of, well, yes, I don't play NBA 2K, but I have a whole bunch of SI swimsuits. What the hell is going on here? I think we need to reset the reset, man. <laughs> you missed me, didn't you? I did, you boy. Me. In more ways than you'll know. In more ways than you'll know. Come on, that's what it's like. And then real quickly, just because I think we both watched it, one of the few things I did watch on vacation, yeah. Serena losing in the third round of the U.S. Open. She'll not move away from tennis. I watched it. I watched it with my wife. I watched the whole speech afterwards and the tears and and then the interview with the girl she beat yeah. um, who said all the right things. Said all the right I'm things. I'm just as disappointed as you all are yeah. because I look look up I, to her as much I, as you do. I yeah. just assumed that I was going to lose. <laughs> she said, I just assumed that I was going to lose. By the way, that girl... The Australian girl, she lost today. Oh, did she lose yeah, today? Yeah, she lost okay, today. That match was going it. on right now. But our top story of the day today on the Burns and Gambo Show, as promised, we're going to start with the Diamondbacks. We're going to end with the Diamondbacks because over the weekend, two starting pitchers for the Diamondbacks and their noteworthy performances. Ryan Nelson making his Major League debut, and it was a historic debut. One of the best debuts we've seen in the history of starting pitching in Major League Baseball, which I don't think crazy anybody crazy? expected. Yeah, one of the best debuts ever out of a starting pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball. And that was on the heels of Zach Gallen, 41 and a third scoreless innings, tying a major league record for his sixth outing where he yeah. hasn't given up a run at all. Oh, no, by the way, Merrill Kelly goes tonight. Oh, and by the way, Merrill Kelly like, goes tonight. It's this Diamondback pitching staff has been since another in a six-man rotation try to save some arms try to you know save a few winnings off of these guys maybe a start or two but Nelson became the ninth different Diamondback player to make their ML debut this season the ninth different player they have embraced this youth movement they've embraced it nine different Diamondback players made their major league debut uh, and he was absolutely fantastic I mean he's never even accomplished that in the minor leagues what no. he did seven strikeouts 
strikeouts and no. And a lot of those strikeouts, if you're watching the game, it was strike three called looking. Oh, yeah. Because it was, they just couldn't catch up. He had a little herky jerky kind of emotion. It was a little bit different of emotion. And, uh, but he just dominated in that game. It was, it was fun to watch. I tweeted something out about, like, how about that debut for Ryan Nelson? He was great. Yeah, it was fun to watch. Zach Gallon was fun to watch, too. His streak now, his scoreless inning streak, is already the eighth longest in the live ball era. Some of the guys that are ahead of him, Hershiser, Drysdale, Bob Gibson, Zach Greinke, of course, Brandon Webb's on that list, too. Webb's got one of the longest in the history of the game with two more outs against Colorado this week. Oh, yeah. He'll match Brandon Webb. If he pitches one scoreless first inning he's got, he's against got the Rockies, he'll have the all-time franchise record, and then he'll be seventh, I believe, in the history of Major League Baseball in terms of the longest scoreless inning I, I just can't, you know, did, were, you with, were you here when we had Brandon Webb on? No. Okay, we had Brandon Webb on. <laughs> you really and, you really don't remember much, just, do you? you? These shows, yeah. like, they all run together, you know, and you were gone for a while, so, <laughs> you know, they just run the other like, show after show, like, you know. So we had no, Webby, we had Webby, Webby on, and I tell you, I didn't, like, at the time, like, I didn't think that it was in danger. I didn't think he would, like, with the teams coming up, I didn't think he would go out there and throw all these shutout innings, but he's been just, he's been on. Now, is there any doubt, like, can we, can we put to bed the, oh, my God, who won the trade, or maybe it was a tie? No, it was no tie. The Diamondbacks won the trade. Who's, End of story. Uh, well, I mean, you don't talk to me. I'm I'm not arguing the other. No, but there's a lot of people that think that it was, that both teams won the trade. Both teams won the trade. No, the Diamondbacks won the trade. Yeah, it just took them a while to win the trade. It took them a while to win the trade. Okay. Zach, Zach Gallon mm-hmm. was fair for, I'll, I'll for a long that. time. Zach Gallon was just kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he yeah. was okay. Okay, Josh Houston's the second baseman. Okay, I could find second baseman. Where are you going to find an ace? Well, if he's pitching like this, you're not going to find many aces like this. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, Cardinals, Chiefs, Week 1, State Farm Stadium, here we go. And this Kansas City Chiefs team is different than the one that we're used to seeing in the last few years. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Little bit. Yeah, he's pretty pretty decent player. Um, yeah, it'd be a little surreal going against him, but um, it'd be fun. It'd be fun for Texas Tech people as well. The question for Cliff Kingsbury yesterday: Has he scouted Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he was his college coach for three years. He was. I think I think I know him. Kind of know what he's about. But this is also the last time I, I looked it up. Um, I, I don't remember much about the game. The last time. The Cardinals played the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season was pre-Cliff Kingsbury. It was the, it was a Josh Rosen game oh, back God. in 2018. Yeah, I think it was it was like you remember that awful who thir- by the way has survived. Oh, did he? I missed He's that. He's on a practice squad. What? Josh Rosen Josh has Rosen's survived. still in this league? Man, Gloria Gaynor wrote Breaking that Breaking news sounder? Him. <laughs> no, we don't need Gloria to Gloria Gaynor wrote that. I will survive, man. That's Josh Rosen. Call his phone. That's what it was. I will survive. So the Browns cut him and the, then And then he's on the practice squad. Josh Rosen is still getting a paycheck in the NFL. He's, he is hanging on, oh, man. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Good for him. I mean, not because he's no good, but good for him for fooling somebody and hanging man. around a little bit, right? Man. 
I didn't see that when I yeah. was gone. I had no yeah. idea. So, um, yeah, it, it was an unremarkable game. I, don't, I didn't remember much about it. I looked up. I looked at the box score. I'm like, I, I don't really remember anything about that game. But it was pre-Cliff Kingsbury. It was Josh Rosen. That was. Don't make was, me go get the handy Danny notebook in the office nah, right now no, from that fine. year. Because I'll have every spot sh- on that I'm game. I'm sure you will. I, I looked for something to kind of jog my memory about that game, and there was really nothing there. So this is, you know, the first time they play in the regular season where it's Patrick Mahomes versus Cliff Kingsbury. And we'll get to that matchup in a minute, but let's talk about this Chiefs team. Okay. Because we, we've now, it's real now. It's week one of the regular season. It's not meaningless preseason. It's the good stuff. And we're here to the good stuff, and we're starting for the Cardinals with a team that obviously has the highest of aspirations in the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost in the AFC title game last year to the Bengals, but they're different looking. And it's mostly because of Tyreek Hill. And it's mostly because of how difficult of a matchup he is. But they've replaced him, I think, probably about as well as they could have with what they've done with the offseason in bringing in Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster. They did an alright job replacing him there. Still, it's going to be a different looking team than the Chiefs team that we're accustomed to seeing the last this few years. This isn't like, you know, you know, how would Brady be without Belichick and how would Belichick be without Brady? Okay. This isn't, you know, how is Tyreek Hill without Mahomes and how is Mahomes without Tyreek Hill? Mahomes is going to be fine without Tyreek Hill. He's going to be fine. You got Marquez Valdez Scantling. You got Juju Smith Schuster. You've got Travis Kelsey. They're still going to, it's all like Kansas City, which it always has the best offense in the league, the most points. It's not like they're going to drop dramatically because they don't have Tyreek Hill. Sure, Tyreek Hill's a great player. And he'll help Miami out a lot because two has got one of the lowest percentage of, of, you know, passes per yard attempt than anybody in the league. I mean, most of the, you know, it's, it's five, six, it's six yards of play for two. With Tyreek, they'll open that up quite a bit. But I think you'll see some shots down the field because of Scant, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling mm-hmm. and Juju Smith-Schuster. And I expect that they'll, that you know, look, Mahomes is just so good. I don't really expect there to be much of a drop-off with them losing Tyreek Hill. I don't, but we'll see. Yeah, it's it's going to be, on the surface, you would think it would be a drop-off because Tyreek Hill is such a matchup nightmare. And I, I think I would suspect, that, and we're going to have a Chiefs writer on tomorrow to talk more about this, I would suspect that was part of the reason why they made the move. Number one, they didn't want to pay Tyreek kill that kind of money, all right? And number two, they probably thought and think they have a quarterback who's good enough to overcome that. Yeah, Tyreek Hill's great. We got Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes will figure out a way to make Juju Smith-Schuster just as good, to make Marquez Valdez-Scantling just as good, because at the end of the day, what does Patrick Mahomes still have? He still has Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey's a nightmare to deal with. He's a nightmare out there. He's the best tight end in the league. So you still have that, at, and you still have Andy Reid and his offensive brilliance, and you still have Mo. If there's any coach quarterback combo that can scheme up losing a guy like Tyree Kill, it's probably Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And you're right, they're probably going to be fine when it's all said and done. Yeah, and they drafted that. Uh, they drafted the kid. Was it Moore? They drafted a wide receiver. Sky Moore. Sky yeah, Moore. Sky Moore. Yeah. So they drafted. Sky Moore as well, so they you know the people like him, the Western Michigan kid. He's small, but he's another guy that brings some speed to the table. So they've got. I think that, listen, they're set. Clyde edwards alaire McKinnon is the backup running back. They'll be they'll be really good on offense. Just the question is. 
you know, the the question is their defense. I mean, yes. is their de- their defense is going to be young in the secondary? They lost Tyron Matthew. You know, is this going to be one of those shootouts? Like you're going to you're going to want just like Kansas City thinks they can score every time they get the ball. When you play their their defense, you should expect that you're going to go out there and and score a lot on that defense. Yeah, I, I think the Tyron Matthew his loss is going to be one of those ones. It, you could almost make an argument that might be more to them than Tyreek Hill. Because of his leadership? I, yeah, I think because of his leadership and just the fact that offensively, and I know that sounds crazy, and it, it, trust me, it sounded crazy coming out of my mouth when I said it, and it's probably not accurate, but here would be the argument. That on offense, because you've got Mahomes, because you've got Reed, because you've got Kelsey, you can figure out a way to work around and still scheme up points without Tyreek Hill. Defensively, they weren't that good last year, right? And no. so you take one of the best players off of that defense, a heartbeat guy, a leader guy, you take him off of that. How do they respond? How, how do they react to losing a player that good? I, I think is really the great unknown about the Chiefs going into this game. And that's where you probably look and you say, look, I mean, it's going to take some time for Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, get these new pieces, you know, together. But they're not like... You know, they, they, like they were, they usually start off really slow and then their defense gets better. And by the time they get to the playoffs, they're okay. But, you know, the loss of Matthew is going to, is, is going to hurt them. They're going to have, inc- like, I, and I said this to you earlier, like their first eight games are against teams that had winning records last year. This never happened before. Never in the history of the game has a team come out of the gates and eight straight starts are against teams that had winning records. So, you know, they're going to face some really good quarterbacks, going to face a lot of high offenses. The yep. Cardinals are one of them. So that defense is going to have their work cut out for them. Kansas City's defenses, if there's an Achilles heel for them, it's going to be their defense. And of course, Cliff is going to get asked a lot about Patrick Mahomes in the matchup. He was asked about it yesterday. He was asked for his thoughts on Mahomes' career so far. Just really proud of the person, you know, more than anything. Just watching how he's grown up, the leadership qualities he shows on and off the field. I mean, anytime you watch him in any of those arenas, just um, how socially responsible he is, how he leads, how he treats people, the stuff he does in the community with charities, and, and um, you know, he runs the gamut of, of what you want a sports star to be like and carry himself, and um, so that's that's been really special to watch that development. His last two years being coached by Cliff at Texas Tech, he combined for 77 touchdowns and 25 interceptions. Jeez. Uh, for completion what were those numbers again? Okay, so combined, his last two years at Texas Tech, 77 touchdowns to 25 interceptions. His last two years there combined. A completion percentage, I'm going to guess around 64%. You know what's crazy about hmm. those? Like, they didn't win. No, I know. Like, they didn't win That's, any games. With, with that. They didn't win games with that. They, right. With how, th- how do you, like... <laughs> How do you have a quarterback who's that good, who's putting up numbers like that? Yeah, and you're an eight and five team. Patrick Mahomes had 41 touchdowns to 10 interceptions as a junior. They had a losing record. Yeah, how does like how does that happen? How does that happen? I don't know. I don't like, know. Like you, you would think even if your defense is no good, that you're gonna like you're scoring so many points. I know. I'll tell you this though. 
since he's gone to Kansas City. In yeah. the four years that he's been there. That's why he fell a tenth in the draft, by oh, the way. Oh, because they didn't win. They These didn't people win. wondered if, if you could win with a guy like that. They've lost the AFC Conference Championship twice. They lost the Super Bowl once. They won the Super Bowl. So they've been to the final four five times. of the NFL. Yeah, every year that times, he's been right? that he's been four years. So of four the four years. years that he's been there, the final four every single year that he's been there. It's a remarkable achievement that he has. When we and come weren't ba- they in the AFC Championship game the year before? With yeah. Alex Smith? Yeah, oh, of course. They, they lost the Super Bowl the year they before. Lost the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, they lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, five years in a row. Yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy what they've been able to do. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the local college teams got wins last week, but the big dogs in the Pac-12, the big dogs did the conference no favors. They didn't eat. They did not. They that's, did not eat. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Coming out of the long weekend, it is already a Ruby Tuesday, and it's 4.30. It's time to update our Twitter poll question of the day with our Ruby, 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 Eric Ruby here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. This one was running real hot early, and uh, it was uh, getting in some, what was the phrase? It's Arizona's favorite poll is what I've learned, because everybody is in their feelings about this one. People are really uh, upset by this one. Yeah, it's good. We like it when a poll touches a nerve like that. Provoke the people, man. How have we provoked the people today? What are we asking the folks? Well, we're talking about the Pac-12, which Ah. does happen to provoke a lot of people, and we're talking the college football playoffs after an interesting weekend, which you guys are about to get into. Who is the Pac-12's most likely college football playoff representative? Four options, three teams. The three teams are Oregon, USC, Utah, and the fourth option, everybody's favorite, is dot, dot, dot. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you don't have Arizona in there, huh? Some some people are commenting. There's that U of big A. win against San Diego State. Easy, easy, easy. Alabama, U of A. Oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> let's no. all take it. It was a really good win from Arizona, and we'll talk about it in a moment. But let's all just take it. Yeah, Arizona State breath. looked good against NAU. Arizona uh, looked good against San Diego State. Uh, Listen, we got a reason to be happy right now. Of course, of course. But, but the Arizona win is yeah, much much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm put me down for dot 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 nobody. Uh, and last time that was running about sixty seven percent. Has it gone up since then? It was sixty seven percent. Actually, it's gone down. Mm-hmm. It's now at sixty. leading the way. USC still in a strong second place with 27.7%. And down there, Utah at 9%. Oregon, 2.6%. Okay, and I was going to say, of all those options, all right, the only... somebody pick Oregon? The only... That's exactly where I was going. How many times can Maloney vote? They... (laughs) Seriously, how many times can Maloney vote on these polls? They're the only team on that list that are absolutely done. Like, they're done. Oregon has yeah. no shot. You well, get and here's the other reason why. Nobody's going to want to see that again. Of course not. No, no. They, hey, what about, like, I don't care if Oregon runs the table. It's like, yeah, no, they like, come on, man. In another, can't play. In another world, if you're Oregon, you can lose the opening weekend to Georgia. Okay, you lose 24-23 on a last-second field goal. You can lose that game and still be in the race for the college football playoff because you can say, hey, we lost a close one to the defending national champion. You got no defense. You can't lose 49-3. No. You're done. You're done. You're out of the conversation. You're over. Utah is only alive 
if Florida has a great season. Florida plays well, and Utah's got to run the table, though, now. Yes. Utah can't lose. They should have won the game. I mean, Rising takes them all the way down the field, and they score that. Uh, I, like, I was watching that game, and I kept thinking, man, should they just let Florida score right before Florida got in? Now, they took a timeout. Utah did to save some clock there, but then Florida scored on the next play. But I was kind of thinking, man, maybe just Florida got down there. I was like, okay, you're inside the, then you're at the one. You just let him score. Just like, just let him score. Give yourself more time. Utah gets the ball. They come all the way back down the field and they're right there and on the chance to win they throw the interception in the end zone yeah it's it was a tough loss it was a tough way to lose the game and I don't know if they should have let them score or not but at least Utah can still stay they still have a chance USC certainly can say they still has have a chance I looked at Utah's or USC schedule it's not that tough I I mean the the toughest non-conference they have is Notre Dame at the end of the season that their their non-conference leading into that doesn't suggest there's anything in there that could really trip them up potentially so they can run the table they, in the conference. Do they play they Utah be, this year? They do. Yeah, they'll and, lose. And that game. Where's that game? Is at Utah. They got it. It's like they can't win that game. Saturday, October 15th. They cannot win that They're game. They're at Utah. Um, the, I'll tell you right now, USC fans, you cannot win that but game. But the rest of the non-conference, they're, okay, they beat Rice. They've got Fresno State coming up in a couple of weeks. They've got Notre Dame at the end of the season. And I don't want to dismiss Notre Dame, but they offensively really struggled, obviously, in that second half against Ohio State. Um, but, but USC has a chance. losses, October 15th and the 29th. October 15th and the 20th. Boy, you, what, what is this thing you have with Arizona? <laughs> Seriously, what is this thing you have with Arizona? I'm just, I'm just having some fun there. I, I mean, between I'm Arizona basketball fun. and that I do crazy Arizona weird basketball. crush you had on them back that was in a March, great team they should have won it all. And, and now Arizona football down. and their one win against San Diego State. What, what what's gotten into you with the Arizona mm. thing? I think he wants to go to college. I think so too. Oh, you know what? Well, he should know better than to pick Arizona. Like, come on, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's your infatuation with all things down south is. Curious, to say the least. We have uh, Arizona State's tight end, the kid Swinson, on the show tomorrow, by the way. I do. I was very happy with Arizona oh, State. You want to make sure you tell the people at ASU that oh, we're I covering do, yeah. their team, too? Right. We had Emory Jones just, on just the in, show. Just in case I'm for a second. I'm not putting Arizona football players on the show. I'm putting Arizona State football players on the show. You're trying to put Arizona football players on the show. I said I told to Mitch to reach out, but I'm doing the ASU guys myself. I got Emory Jones myself. I got Swinson tomorrow at 3 o'clock, the tight end of play. Oh, no, he's last back year. against the wall. He's swinging. He's seriously, he's swinging. Now I got him on the ropes and he's swinging. Rocky three right now. I'm accusing him of kissing U of A's butt. Now he's telling me how much. Oh, I love ASU. I've got ASU players on. I'm going to get ASU players. My mother hits harder than that. Rocky three. (laughs) All those those ASU Twitter people are going to go after Gamble. Hey man, what's up with all the U of A stuff? What are you doing? Listen, I got your tight end coming on the show tomorrow. Uh, You quarterback last week. Let's go. We should get a house divided jersey where it's half ASU, half U of A. For Gamble, yeah, he's he's. Let me tell you something. When you like. I don't I don't dislike either of the programs. I don't root against either one of them. And this is God's honest truth, okay? I didn't go to college. I didn't grow up in an area. New, name, a, name a popular college in New York for sports. Name one. Rutgers. It's Jersey. It's Jersey. That's Jersey. There are none. Like, there are none. Syracuse, it's like Canada. Syracuse might as well be in Canada. <laughs> like, there are none. Sorry, Craig Grealou. <laughs> John Bloom, or you say like Syracuse? They passed Larry Gatos. Yeah, that's in Canada. Like you know, so like it's like so to me, it's like when I came here, it's like I want both of them to do well. I don't dislike. I, I don't dislike either one of them. Kind of like you. I, I, you I went to both schools. I, I you went to all dislike? three. I don't dislike any of them at all. I just I just think it's funny because you've you've got U of A beating U.S. Nobody gives U of A any love. 
honestly, outside of me. And this whole radio station, nobody gives U of A any real love. Yeah, Mitch has got forks up right now. I get it. And Vince went to ASU. Everybody loves ASU. I give U of A a little bit of love. Okay? I give them a little bit of love that they don't get anywhere else. You know what? Honestly, I just wanted to hear you admit it. That's it. That's, I want them to do well. That's all I want. I, but I also want ASU to do well. I like. I want. I, 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 I feel ASU. like I just got Colonel Jessup to admit he ordered the code red. I mean, really, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted you to admit that you feel like you want. I get- got that tight end coming on tomorrow, three o'clock. ASU. <laughs> Here it goes again with the I did quarterback ASU. on that's last week. That's what we call a tease. <laughs> yeah. Come again with the ASU. I mean, thing. I'm happy for ASU after that win against NU. I want them to do well. It was a good win for U of A, though. And all jokes aside, though, I'm not sure you're joking. Uh, they had lost 23 of their last 24 games going into that. Game. And San Diego State won 12 games last year, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. San Diego State won 12 games. That was a, good a win. very impressive win for U of A. Very impressive. It did. And I'm telling you, I think that that kid that they got from UTEP is going to be the best. He's going to be one of the top transfers of anybody. That kid, Jacob Cowing, he had eight catches for 152 yards. Arizona had the worst red zone touchdown rate in the nation last year. Mm -hmm. They scored touchdowns on four or five trips inside the 20-yard line. That that was the most point. They scored thirty four points. That's the most that they scored even last year. They didn't have any points like that. They were up thirty one to ten. I mean, and outside of the punter kicking it off of one of his guys' backs, like they were running away with that game. It was super hot in San Diego, but I was. I mean, I did watch that game, and I'm telling. I think that UTEP kid is fantastic. Yeah, it was. They were John Wilner used the word, and he's absolutely right. They were unrecognizable in that game. It just did not yeah. look like U of A I, from the last. I like the years. freshman McMillan. He caught this touch. Touchdown pass, and he got drilled. Like he got absolutely drilled on the second touchdown by U of A. Man, he was he was he got he got hit pretty good. The Arizona Cardinals are battered and bruised. How is that going to impact their Week One matchup against Kansas City? We'll give you all the latest on all the injuries next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Trayvon Mullen is the new corner for the Cardinals, acquired in that trade last week with the Vegas Raiders. And of course, because really, what else could go wrong for the cornerback room for the Cardinals this year? Uh, is he wasn't on the practice field yesterday, and he was asked, "Are practice. you? Are you going to be? On. You going to be ready for Week One? Most likely, for the most part, yeah. Just to continue to get better, continue to work. Because as Cliff Kingsbury pointed out yesterday, being weak at cornerback against Patrick Mahomes is not a great idea. Not ideal, that's for sure. That's, that's a pretty good, pretty good offer. But um, obviously, we had some stuff out of our control that, that's that's happened over the last six months, and um, doesn't make it easy. But we're trying to do some things to um, fix that over the next few weeks. So we'll see see how it plays out. But yeah, you'd like to have a little more depth and experience, I think, um, going into this one. But it's everybody's dealing with something this time of year. Yeah, I imagine that it looks right now. It looks like right now your starters are going to be Murphy and Wilson. Yeah. That's going to be starters. And uh, the big question is, you know, is Marcus Golden, your best pass rusher, going to play in that game? You get some kind of pass rush on Patrick Mahomes, you can alleviate some of the pressure on that quarterback. You don't get any pass rush. Then there's a lot more pressure on those quarterbacks. So we'll see how it plays out. Now, they, you know, Trayvon did kind of suggest that he feels like he could be ready to go. That Mm -hmm. would be good. It would be. Uh, Here's one more from Trayvon Mullen yesterday. I'm good. I'm doing pretty good. Um, My recovery came coming along good. Everything's been well. 
Um, I feel good. I'm feeling good. Just ready to play ball at this point. All right, right now, as it stands, your depth chart is, Byron, like you mentioned, Byron Murphy Jr., Marco Wilson, as the depth chart released by the Cardinals about a couple hours ago. They're the starting corners right now. Trayvon Mullen and Christian Matthew are the two backup corners listed right now. Javelin Guidry, the guy they picked up off of uh, waivers, they made the claim off of the Jets. He's as the third string right now. And look, all joking aside, yeah, you, you don't want your cornerback room to be this thinned out going into a game against Patrick Mahomes. It has been a uniquely challenging situation at that position for the Cardinals this offseason. Tragically so yeah. with the passing of Jeff Gladney. Uh, semi-tragically so with the unexpected cooking accident from Antonio Hamilton where he just tweeted out a picture today where he's finally wearing shoes again and I guess 90% of his burns have been are healing or have started to heal. He's going to miss the first four games minimum of the season. He's going to miss the first four games of the season. It has been an an unusual and tragic set of circumstances that have led the Cardinals to this position where, man, a, a guy who wasn't even on the roster seven days ago, he, they need him to be ready. Like, like Trayvon, Trayvon Mullen needs to be ready to play that game, and he wasn't even on this team seven days ago. It's gotten to that point. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I, I think it, at one point they, they had hoped that Robert Alford was going to come back and... Uh, but the word I got is he didn't want to play anymore. But they had an extended and offered offered veterans minimum yep. after the season to come back. And as the months went by, I think that was still in the back of their mind that he would just be like, OK, I'll come back and play. You know, I know the defense. I know you guys. I've been here for four years. OK, he doesn't come back. And then they looked at some other guys like Kevin King. They looked at him, Buddha's right. teammate at Washington. Yep. They looked at him. He's a free agent. He's a bigger cornerback. And, you know, but then, you know, that didn't materialize. So there was a lot of things that they were working on. And then it got to the point where, like I said, they're going to they're gonna trade for a cornerback. They were, go, they were always going to trade for a cornerback. And they did. They traded for one. And, you know, there's a lot of talk with the Raiders. Is like, you know, this, like, he was a good player. He was just coming back to camp. That was a little bit of a surprise. He, and then even with Gidger, like Rich Samini, who I used to work with the Newsday, who's covered the Jets forever. He, you know, this is how, to me, this is how you kind of judge whether a player that got let go is good or not. You take a look at some of the main people that cover that team and were those guys projected to be on a 53-man roster. And to me, if you were projected to be on a 53-man roster and you didn't make it, you, then that guy's probably pretty good. Samini did have Gidry on the 53-man roster. He's a good slot cornerback. Yeah. Fast. He's a good, fast, and he's a good slot cornerback. So he was projected by many, including Samini, to make the 53-man roster of the Jets, and then he didn't make it. For a team and for a coach in Cliff Kingsbury who worked so hard to wrap up all of his main guys in bubble wrap all offseason long, they are unusually injured going into week one. I'll do rapid fire with the names. Here's Cliff yesterday. Uh, first of all, I'll give you the update on Antonio Hamilton. Um, he's getting better. Okay, and I, I mentioned mentioned earlier the tw- the picture that he tweeted out. J.J. Watt coming off of COVID. Same deal. Yeah, still working through it all. Okay, still working through it all. We'll see tomorrow. What about Zach Ertz and his calf injury? This one's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Same deal. He'll be like like junk. He's going to be day-to-day. Um, I think Wednesday will be a big day to see how he feels when we get back out there. And of course, junk is Marcus Golden, and he might be the most interesting one of them all. Here's Cliff with the update on Marcus Golden. It's going to be a game-time deal. Um, we'll continue to progress him, and hopefully Wednesday he can do something. Um, and he's a guy that if he even has limited practices, there'll, there'll be a role for him, but we'll see how it plays out.
Hmm. It's, yeah, it's not ideal, right? I mean, we talk, we joked about the boy in the plastic bubble and John Travolta from that, that after school special or whatever it was. <laughs> like, it's, it did seem like you did everything you could to make sure that you're, you know, that you were as healthy as you can. But, like, there's no way you were going to come out of camp. Yeah, all of our guys, all 53, they're all good. No, no worries. It just, it's a month long camp. You're battling. It's just guys, you know, even though they're in shape, guys get battered and bruised. No, but in particular with Golden. Because they're already so thin at corner and because they're already so unproven and untested at pass rusher with the guys are rolling out there. And because, and let's call it like it is, there's some question as to whether Marcus Golden is actually hurt or not. And, and if look, if he's hurt, if it's a legitimate toe injury and that's what's got him out this whole time, then that's unfair speculation on my part. And, and I would apologize for that. But there are some who are wondering if what Marcus Golden is doing is a hold in because of his contract situation. August, August 1st, he tweeted out underpaid, underappreciated and undervalued. Right. August 1st, four weeks later. On August 29th, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's very wise to speculate that this is more, that there is something here. Like he is, he's undervalued, underappreciated, underpaid. He wants to get paid. Now, up until this point, nothing's, nothing, nothing's happened. Yep. But he's your best pass rusher. Like, you would think he's got some leverage. Like, you guys need me. But he's not wrong, is he? Based no, off of who they'd be no. rolling out there if no. he didn't play, he's not wrong. Contracts are always difficult, right? Because, okay, like, okay, like a guy like Marcus Golden, we could look at that. I'm like, man, that guy's only getting how much money? Like, okay, yeah, he should be paid more. But then what happens when Jordan Phillips steals from the Cardinals for three years? And you're like, okay, is he giving any money back? Of course he's not. Like, listen, this is how it works. This is life. It sucks. The contract you sign is the contract you sign. Jordan Phillips got everything that, that he had coming to him. There's nothing the Cardinals could do about it. They, they, they agreed to pay him much money. Mark Marcus Golden signed a contract. Like, he signed that contract. This is what they're paying him. Yeah, you played great. So it's always a double-edged sword because for every guy like Marcus Golden, there's another guy that, you know, that you paid money to, and he flopped, and, like, I nobody, he's not giving me any money back. Yeah. Tomorrow will be a big day. I'll be curious to see who's out there, who's not, as they get ready for the Chiefs. Now, when we come back, are the Cardinals a team that's going to miss out on a return to the playoffs, or could they be the best team in the division? One former player seems to think that they will be the best team in their division. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.